Goes On Media. This is Coming Out Stories. It's a podcast about one of the most important conversations of your life. I'm Emma Goswell. Time now to hear from the actor, dancer, choreographer and author Matthew Schaefer. There's a fair bit of background noise because uh, we're actually chatting in the gay bar The Abbey in West Hollywood. He told me he wasn't always out and proud. In fact, he was in the closet till he was in his 20s and even had a girlfriend because he was worried about ruining his career. Of course, hindsight is everything, right? So looking back, I was like, why didn't I pick up on it there? Why didn't I? In fact, I'll tell you a story. We're going to go a little non-linear, out of order here. When uh, I finally did come out to my father, I did so. He's, he lives in Colorado, which is where I was born, and that's where he grew up. And I grew up in Southern California. But so I was back visiting him, and I had just come out, and it was really hard. In fact, when I came out to him, he thought that I had gotten the, the girl who I was with at the time pregnant. That's what he thought I was going to confide in him. I was like, no, it's actually the exact opposite of that um, and we'll get to that but on the wall there were those collage frames you know like of you know the 70s frames of like pictures of you from your childhood and all the way up so there was a, a frame in my grandmother's house and we were walking in the back door and I look and there's a picture of three-year-old Matthew holding pom-poms and cheering and I was like really dad was it ever really a question in your mind and we had a good laugh because the truth is now looking back there were so many signs I, when when I was on the playground and I was in uh, you know first grade or grade one I remember thinking I don't feel the way these boys feel about this girl like I feel this way about this boy in fact but I never acted on it and my big struggle and my my quest if I guess if you call it a, whatever it is is to really understand that about me and, and, and about why we feel so compelled to hide from ourselves at such an early age, especially because I grew up in a very accepting, open family. There was never any uh, shame in, in being who you were. And I, of course, I'm in, I'm in third grade, so I, what, you're like eight or nine years old. And I remembered feeling different. I remembered um, just so many moments where I was like, well, that, that doesn't feel right to me. Like, for example, WWF was really popular um, in the United States at that time, and I could care less about watching wrestling. I was like really into my sister's My Little Pony and and Cabbage Patch Dolls and like things like that, and like raising a family and having that kind of dialogue. And I didn't know if it was because I was an artist or what, you know. So I guess it was just confusing time for you, really, then being a kid. Absolutely, absolutely confusing. I had no one to really identify with because it wasn't like it was on television, um, whether it be a kid or an adult or any reference of what could be perceived as a gay person on television at the time. Okay, well, you don't have to tell me your age, but I'm guessing what this was the 80s, was it? When you were yeah, growing up? Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. mind. I'm 41. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, this was, yeah, the early 80s, the early to mid 80s were really formative years for me. I mean, Jim J. Bullock was on uh, a show. I can't even remember the name of the show. I'm sorry. Too Close for Comfort. Okay. Okay, so I was watching the show, and I was like, oh, I understand him. He's funny. He gets a lot of laughs, but they're laughing at him. Because in the 80s, of course, it was really popular uh, style to, on, on sitcoms to laugh at people or, like, kind of the opposite of where we are now in society, which is to, instead of like pointing out flaws, to accept everyone for for their, their differences. But at the time I was growing up, so I see these guys on TV and I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's who I am. I don't know. But like even at Boy Scouts or, you know, in soccer or whatever, I, I remember actually, my dad was my soccer coach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So 
<laughs> I remember thinking, I don't give a shit about soccer, but I do love looking at these boys and their cleats and their shin guards. Like, ah. wow, look at their calf muscles. Like, and I knew that that wasn't like what they were thinking about. So you straight away knew that you were different. I did. And did you feel that that was something you couldn't articulate? Yes. The, the short answer is yes. The long answer is I think I recognized that I identified with someone that I'd seen in random places, like whether it be on a television show or walking down the street when we would come into Los Angeles or whatever. And I knew that it was frowned upon, not by my parents, but by society. I was raised Catholic. And so I thought, okay. I'm just going to ignore that. I'm just going to pretend like it doesn't exist. And that's what I did for a very, very long time. Until you were well into your teenage years? Oh, I was in my 20s. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. But you, you must have had loads of crushes on people during that time. You just oh. never did anything about it. Yeah, that's exactly right. There were so many missed opportunities that looking back, I'm like, why didn't I? That would have been so fun to like have someone. I mean, not even the sexual aspect of it, although that would have been fun too, to like be exploratory like all my friends were. My peers were having sex in high school. I was not. And I, at the time, I said, oh, well, because I'm an artist, I'm an actor, and I'm a performer, and I care about this and the integrity and bullshit, right? What it really was was that I didn't have the balls, frankly, to act on those instincts and those feelings that I had. But I, I, I look back on at least a dozen times where I was drawn to someone, yes, sexually and physically, but also emotionally and spiritually and mentally. And they, they stimulated me in a way that no girl that I'd ever dated did. And it wasn't until I'd kissed my first boy when I was living in Chicago on my own. I was 19 years old and it happened and it just happened like very quickly. And I was like, oh, God, that's what everyone's raving about. Like, the feeling inside it was such a different feeling. Do you have any regret then that you didn't sort of confront it earlier and take up some of these opportunities? Well, I wrote a book, and, and part of my writing the book was to, to, to like, work through all of that. Because, yeah. of course, you know, I, I try to live without regret. I really do. And I try to live present in the moment. And I always have. I've, I, I remember being very young and thinking, just enjoy this for what it is, and who cares about that? Um, so I don't know if I would use the word regret, but I, I think, God, I missed out on some really wonderful opportunities to like learn more about myself sooner. Now, that said, we all have a path and we all have our time. And I believe people are who they say they are until they realize they're something else. And for me, I remember that kiss still wasn't even enough to motivate me out of the closet entirely. But at that point, it was all because of me. Because I thought, okay, well, if I want to make it in this industry as a performer or choreographer, or author or whatever, I have to be perceived as a straight, heterosexual male. But I would have thought the world of dance, which was your world, would be quite, you know, very gay-friendly. There's a lot of gay men that dance, for yeah. example. There are, there are a lot of gay artists across the board, actors, dancers, singers, you name it. Yeah, everyone where I grew up and growing up, and I even went to a performing arts high school and um, just on tour. No, it wasn't privately behind closed doors maybe, but not out in the open because your representation, your manager, your agent, um, the industry, they weren't going to hire someone who wasn't a box office attraction. 
And I don't know that that's changed that much, to be really honest, sadly. I mean, if you look, I mean, how many A-list actors can you name on, I, I can name them on one hand that are out and have a successful acting career. And so that was a major part of me staying in the closet. Now, the other part was that I didn't, I don't know if you can relate to this or if any of your listeners can relate to this, but at that point, it was so far, I'd lied so long, I'd betrayed so many people by saying, oh, I'm not gay, I'm not gay, I'm not gay, that at that point, I was like, fuck, if I come out now, all of those people will be right, and I will look like an asshole. Well, you look like a, a liar, I suppose, because that's what you were probably worried about, being perceived as. A hundred percent, because they're thinking, oh, well, what, if he knew this whole time, and I'm not saying that I intentionally hit it, because I didn't, but... I definitely suppressed it and lied to myself more than anyone I betrayed. And I think being in the closet is difficult, right? I mean, it's a struggle with your mental health, I imagine. I can only say that for me, the moment I finally came out, it was like the weight of the world had been lifted off my shoulders and everything made sense. And at that moment, and there was a guy involved, obviously, and a breakup of a girl whom I'd moved from Chicago to New York with to have a, a life and a family and a career. And by the time that I'd come, come out, that when I said those words to this guy, I remember just thinking, I'm free. I mean, whether I have a career or not doesn't matter to me. Whether I'm perceived as a liar by so many people or not doesn't matter to me. I'm living my truth. And I don't have to hide anymore. So what did change then? Was it a breakup then? Yeah, so I was in a show. I was working in a show in New York City at Radio City Music Hall. And I was living with a girl who, I, like I said, I'd moved from Chicago to New York City with her. At the time, I was dancing in Chicago. I was dancing in a concert dance company, traveling the world. And I'd had some, I'd had some encounters. I was never um, unfaithful, but I definitely, like, I was in Berlin and, like, some random guy cornered me in a, in a dance club and we made out. And so that, those, like, kind of, like, were the buildup to this moving to New York. And I'm in a show and I'm performing in this show and I meet a guy in the cast and we strike it off and it was everything that I'd ever wanted. He was beautiful and talented and intellectual and he listened and he he saw me, the real me. You fell in love. I fell in love and it was the first time I fell in love. Now, I loved my ex, the, the girl who I was living with, but I loved her like I love a sister and I didn't realize that until I met this other guy and I won't say his name. Um, in the book, I call him Derek, but... Um, you know, he gave me permission. Now, ironically, he was also in the closet. He had a girlfriend in the show that we were in, and he was from Canada. God, this sounds like a movie in itself, Matthew. <laughs> I know. It really, it really, that's, well, that's why I wrote the book, honestly. Um, so, Don't worry, you can mention the name of your book okay. if you want to. Yeah, yeah it's well, called Dancing Out of the Closet. That's right. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I'm really proud of it because I let myself go there. I, you know, a lot of people, including... Some really close friends were like, well, you can't tell that story or you can't say that about that person because what if they... And I'm like, what if they what? That's the truth. I'm, I, and I even have a little disclaimer in the, the front of the book that says, this is my version of the story. If you don't like it, write your own book. Because the truth is, it has taken me a really long time to... to confront the truth and when I finally did it was really wonderful and this guy who I ended up coming out for no strike that I didn't come out for him I came out for me but he was the he was the catalyst he was the catalyst that's right he was the person that said you know what 
we were walking through Central Park. It was snowing. It was December. We were in a show. We're, we're hand in hand. Now, would straight men hold hands together in Central Park? I mean, I'm sure they do, longtime friends, but still, we're hand in hand. And I finally looked at him and I was like, I think I like you. And, and he was like, yeah, well, I, I like you too. And I was like, no, I mean... I like you in that that way that I'm not supposed to like you. And it was like, well, that's what I meant too. And we get in a cab and we head to his place and I start making out with him and, it, and he has Sade on and he has candles lit. And I mean, it's the perfect, I know, right? Like every gay cliche you could imagine. And then in the middle of it, I was like, no, this isn't right. And so I got in the cab and I went home and I confronted my ex-girlfriend. She was waiting up. It was three in the morning. She knew. So she was really the first person you came out to then? Yeah. Yes, and because our relationship was born out of a friendship, there was a part of her, I think, that always knew, and I think I was a safe bet for her because she saw my ambition and saw that I was relentless about having the things that I wanted in my life and it was going to happen. And I just got to a point, and this guy, Derek, enabled me to say, you know what, I don't care about all of that. But how did she take it then? Because you were like, I'm sorry, the relationship's not going anywhere, and I'm gay. That's like a double whammy, isn't it? It wasn't pretty, Emma. No, it, 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 and rightfully so. I mean, she'd moved, you know, from. Now, granted, I had been very clear about when I made that move. I was like, look, this is something we both have to want individually and together. Yeah. Because there was a part of me that was probably thinking, am I ready for this? Am I headed towards this and whatever? But no, it, it did not go smoothly. Uh, there was anger and rage and a lot of breaking of family heirlooms. Oh, and then there was me packing a quick bag, an escape bag, and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this place for you for a couple of months until we figure out what to do. And I never went back. Gosh. So that was the first coming out, really. Yeah. And then I guess the big thing was for you to tell the family. Yeah. How did that go? Yeah, uh, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. So at that same time, it was a show. It was a holiday show, a Christmas show, Radio City. And uh, my mom and her husband came the next week. Now, my whole family had heard that I'd moved out. They didn't know why. So my mom and her husband were the first. And this guy that I'd come out for, I invited him out for dinner with my family. My, oh. my mom and her husband and at one point during the conversation he just he was laughing at a joke and reacted and he grabbed my leg under the table and I saw my mom and I was like oh god my heart sank yeah. and so the dinner ends and, and she's like why don't we why don't we drop Derek back off at the hotel or at his house and we'll go back to the hotel and we'll have a, a nightcap so we did and we're in this bar the Empire Hotel on the Upper West Side and it was actually my stepdad Steve who turned to me and he's like Matthew are you gay? And my mom was like, it's okay if you're gay, you know? And, you know, of course, I just started crying. This is like three dirty martinis in. <laughs> and they were real dirty. <laughs> but, yeah, coming out to her, you know, there was a version of I always knew. So they kind of forced it by asking the question yeah. but you had taken them out with your boyfriend yeah. so you kind of pushed it as well i did we 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 both kind of like did the meet me halfway kind of thing because it was really hard for me to build up the strength the courage to say i'm gay to my mom now then i have to still deal with my father who is living in colorado and remarried as well and you know his opinion of that had changed since i was growing up and i don't know he with his new wife and his new life he he found a different take on the way 
marriage is supposed to be defined. And that may- what do you mean by that? That well, he wouldn't approve or he would approve? I wasn't sure, to be honest. Now, as a child, I never would have questioned it. But as an adult and with his new wife and his new life, I wasn't sure. I didn't know if I was going to be accepted. And, you know, of course, my dad was awesome and that, you know, he didn't understand it. And right away, he was quick to say, well, I, you know, I will always love you and I love you regardless of anything. And that's always been what he said. So, of course, I just broke down crying because that was kind of always the dad that I knew growing up. And it's not to say that he isn't that same man, but, you know, his ideas have evolved and changed, as have mine. And maybe we don't always see eye to eye on certain things. He's very Christian in his thought, and I have faith in a different way. And so there aren't always eye to eye conversations. But what I love about my father and what I'm so grateful for is that he's always willing to listen. And when he hears what he needs to hear to understand something, he'll acknowledge it. And when he's wrong, he admits that he's wrong and so that's really cool so you're in a good place with your parents I am yes Uh, I am with with both my mom and my dad and their spouses and both my sisters actually Um, yeah I mean now my biological sister she always knew she was probably the first to know and she was the second person I came out to in my family and when I called her I'll never forget she was like yeah I mean obviously (laughs) yeah about time Matthew (laughs) yeah yeah Um, but she was my greatest concern um, she conspired with me. She she helped me live peacefully in the closet because there was one moment when no one else in my life had ever confronted me about it and we were in high school and she did and it crushed me at the time and so she quickly backpedaled and so did I but so she knew and you knew she knew and it was like let's just carry on regardless so years 10 years go by and then we had that conversation yeah it was really interesting was it okay? Did you obviously came out in your work life as well in the end? Was that okay? So that's a different story because my my husband now. My husband. Yes, I know that. And by the way, I never thought I'd say that word, but I've been with my husband Jeff Payton. He's also my producing and creative partner, and he was a creative editor on my book. And we're partners in every way, you know, life, love, and career. Um, but so the the guy that I originally came out of the closet for moved back to Canada and stayed deep in the closet and married and had children. Yeah, so that. That's all in the book, and it, it gets very messy, that whole section. But two years later, I met a guy called Jeff Payton, who's my current husband. We've been together 17 years, married officially uh, seven years this July 12th, and that's so cool. How does it feel to say that? Amazing. It really, it, it's extraordinary because I never thought, even when I came out, even after I'd come out, I was like, well, I, I mean, I'm never going to use the word marriage because they don't, people don't even acknowledge us as being, and then I realized, you know, there are, there are so many people who get married for all of the wrong reasons. And I found someone who I want to share every aspect of my life with and start a family and create something. I deserve to call this marriage and I deserve to call him my husband. How beautiful. I'm so happy for you that you got the happy ending. So just lastly, if you did have any advice for people that may be still waiting to dance out the closet, what would you say to them? Well, and that's, thank you for asking that. That's exactly why I wrote the book because I spent too many years of my life worrying, and I thought that I didn't, but worrying about what other people would think of me. And guess what? You can't control that anyway. And so I would say to all of those listeners out there that are struggling with whatever their inner demon or, and and I use the word demon and that's not what I'm relating uh, being gay to because that's such a, not what I'm saying, but whatever, whatever fear that you're living and hiding about, 
let it out because the moment that you release that, you are empowered to be the version of you that you're meant to be your authentic self and you can shine and you will actually be so much more successful as a person, as a human, and that's the, the most important thing, but as, as an individual pursuing your, your path as well, whether it be an artist or an executive or whatever you decide to do with your life. And happier, more importantly. Ultimately, like living your authentic self is bliss. It's, it is pure heaven, really. It is. It is. To not ever have to worry about saying the wrong thing because you're worried that it will come back on you is liberating. It's a release. Well, I'm glad you managed to come out and you've got a book on it, so yeah. I'll give it another plug. Dancing Out of the Closet by Matthew Schaffer. I pronounced yeah. that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's out September 2019. Yes, that's right. Definitely find it and I hope it helps you. Good. A book about dancing and being gay. That's Perfect. Right. <laughs> Everything all in one. Huge thank you to Matthew Schaefer for joining me at the Abbey Bar in LA. Looking forward to reading his book, Dancing Out of the Closet. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. We'd also love to hear from you on Twitter. You can find us there at Come Out Stories. I'm Emma Goldswell, and Coming Out Stories is a What Goes On media production. Next up, you'll hear from the writer Evie DeLuca. She's the author of Tainted Beauty, the memoir of an authentic creation. She identifies as an Indian trans woman who's also pansexual. She really struggled to come out in the Muslim community of 90s Blackburn and for a while led a double life, dressing as a man in her hometown and then commuting to Manchester for work where she dressed and identified as a woman. It was so hard. Some of the times when I was on the train and someone would clock me, it was the most frightening moments of my life. I went through all of that just so I could be me.